Thank you for coming coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the queer improv show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And this particular podcast uh, episode is uh, different in another way. We are recorded uh, recording during the COVID-19 pandemic while physically distancing, which means we are not in our studio. So we're not in the same room as our guests and we're using Zoom. So our audio quality might be different than what you're used to, but we are doing the best we can with what we have. Uh, and I'm so super duper pumped and excited uh, to introduce to you our guests that we have today. Broadway star, professional chef, loving husband and dad to two adorable kiddos, David Burka, he, him. Hi, David. Hi. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. This is so great. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you here. Um, how, how have you been doing? I've been doing okay. You know, um, uh, uh, every so often I like to scream in a pillow, but... Mm -hmm. <laughs> But other than that, good. You know, it's really interesting. It's uh, it's making people deal with a lot of their character defects that mm. they have uh, when you're in quarantine because you that's all you, you have, you know. Um, and luckily, I really love the people around me. I know a lot of people who are struggling with some of their spouses, um, and they're probably going to get a divorce afterward of this. Mm. But uh, but. I'm really, I'm having a good time. I feel like I'm more connected to my husband than I, than I have been in a really long time. Um, but it's been good. I mean, we we're keeping busy with a lot of different other projects actually. Um, and that's been really good. I mean, we're happy to be together. And I, I do have to say that the school homeschooling thing has been a challenge. Like mm -hmm. that's, a, I feel bad for the kids because they're not used to this and they don't like it. And and then also B, I'm not a teacher. Like I'm happy to teach. I'm happy to teach. Don't get me wrong. I, I am a teacher. I used to dance. I used to teach dance uh, for a really long time, but, but not school teacher. But also there's something to say about teaching your kids as opposed to other kids, mm -hmm. you know, your kids just want to, you know, pull their bullshit on you and all their manipulative habits that they have, uh, you know, parent to child. So that's been the biggest challenge, I think. Um, but uh, other than that, I'm doing okay. Today's a beautiful day, so you can't mm -hmm. complain. Hopefully, if you're on the Northeast, you uh, you got outside today because it was uh, it was nice. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm hanging in there. Um, I luckily have a roof deck that I can sit outside and it's only open. It's only like accessible like for my particular apartment. So no one else right. in the building can touch it. And it's, so it's really nice. I'm, you know, I'm very up and down, had a very emotional week last week. So just kind of like trying to take care of myself and, but um, you know, hanging in, hanging in and these, you know, having yeah, these conversations. To. Yeah, I, I'm glad to hear that it, everything's on the down, you know, it's going down, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, we're on our fifth day of possibly um, opening, you know, it says 14 days or 15 days before we start, op start slowly opening things. So luckily, we don't start going on an upswing again. So, you know, it's nice to know that there's a possible end in sight. Mm hmm. Totally. Yeah. And, and it's also, so I love like the birds chirping and like seeing the, the trees blooming is like such a nice yeah. reminder that life is still going to go on. It's going to be different. We've all reset a little bit. Um, yeah, it nice. might be, you know, the fact that if we come out of here during the summer, it might be nice that we grew with spring and it's a sort of a rebirth for all of us. Mm -hmm. We got to chill. We got to reset. Um, did you hear that because there's not many planes in the air that our weather's changing, 
that our no. environment is already starting to sort of soften, which is crazy. It's just like, hopefully, you know, we did some good. Yeah. <laughs> well, pandemic. I hope that we can, you know, because we're seeing all these positive effects of like nature getting back to how it's supposed to be, that maybe everyone just kind of slows down, but I don't know. I, I feel like the half glass, the glass half empty in me is like, we're just going to like jump right back into it. But I, I hope not. Well, I think things are going to, I mean, I've been reading some stuff and things are definitely having to change. There's a lot of different rules that people have put out. Like, you know, there's some things that are going to just have to be different socially, unfortunately, you know, in the restaurant business, there's no shared items anymore. You can't share things within people. I don't think, I think buffets will all go away. I don't even know if like, like, if movie theaters will open again, we'll, wow. I mean, we'll see. It'll take Broadway a really long time to open. I think. Oh, that's um, such a bummer. I know. I mean, everything's I a bummer, but Broadway is so like, you know, it's Broadway. Oh, I know. I know. You, I, mean, you know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, but we'll see, you know, let's keep on the bright side, you know? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So we are here because you are going to share with us one of your coming out stories. Um, mm-hmm. So, Let's, let's hear it. Okay. Well, um, it wasn't really a surprise that was coming out. <laughs> I, was a, I was a pretty, you know, flamboyant uh, theater kid growing up. You know, I was in, I grew up in the Midwest and uh, everyone around me was playing guns and football and, and, you know, sports. And my dad was my teacher, my, my coach for every single sport. You know, I grew up with football wallpaper on my walls. And as as I got to be a teenager, covered it every single inch of it with movie posters. And uh, so, you know, I was a different kid than everybody else. Um, So uh, when I, I, I was in a theater troupe growing up and there was a few of us that were gay and we weren't necessarily out because, you know, it was still back then, um, it still was really looked down upon, you know, we were just coming off the AIDS epidemic. I mean, um, so it was still a little scary. Um, so at around, I started college around 1993. So, um, so I went to university of Michigan and I was doing a production of hair and I was a freshman in college and I was playing one of the leads, uh, Burger, and it was uh, like a student production version of it. And I was making this jacket. And my, my grandmother was a seamstress growing up. Uh, and she sewed you know, all my Halloween costumes and stuff as a kid. And she used to sew all the time. So I had her helping me with this jacket. And I was painting on it. And, and, and I was really close with her. She, her and I were super tight. Um, And, uh, and, um, this was coming out to my parents, like everyone else in my world knew my sister knew. I mean, I don't count that. My sister knew my friends knew my colleague, my colleagues knew my, my, my peers knew at school. But I think the biggest thing was, was coming out to my parents. Um, they were fairly religious, uh, and, but liberal, which was great. Um, and then, um, I was sewing, I was sewing this costume with my grandmother and I was super tight with her. And I said to my grandmother, I said, what would you say if I was gay? And she's, I mean, she's, she, although she's religious, she was liberal and she grew up in Detroit and, you know, I don't think she's necessarily knew many gay people, but um, there was suspect that my uncle was gay and he had committed suicide um, uh, in the 1940s. Um, and so there was suspect there, but, um, but she said, she said to me, she said, you know, I would love you. Uh, it would be hard for me. I would love you, but, um, I would hate for you to have to go through any heartache or any hardship. Uh, and then I said to her, well, I am. Mm. And her response was, oh dear. So she, um, she was, you know, it, 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 it hit her and she was, it hurt her. She was, she was, you know, sad. And, and 
I think scared. I, I think in that time we were also scared um, of AIDS because he had just come off of this awful, you know, pandemic there and mm-hmm. it was, it killed so many people. And then, and then I told her not to tell my mother, I think subconsciously knowing that she would tell my mother cause she had a big mouth. She's, you know, loud and boisterous. Um, so she did tell my mother mm-hmm. and my mom was, you know, I think more upset that I, came out to her that came out to my mom and she to, to her, you know, came mm-hmm. out to my grandma and I w- was coming out to her. Um, but, you know, my mom was more worried about me getting AIDS, which was the big thing. Like, I don't want you to die of AIDS. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cause I was in college and I had been with musical theater people and I, you know, um, I had known I was gay since I was 15. Like I had a, I had a, uh, a choreographer when I was 15 years old um, really crossed the line sexually. It got me drunk at a 15 year old and, you know, and, 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 and sexually abused me. So it was, it was not, I knew that that, and I knew that was wrong. I called him up and says, you did not, that was wrong of you. You should not have done that. And he was taken back and he was like, Oh, I'm super sorry. But this guy was, I mean, he was married with a wife and he had, uh, and he was going off. He was my choreographer for this show that I was doing when I was 15 years old. So I knew, I knew that. And then I came out to my priest and he came out to me. My priest came out to me. Wow. It was, it was, I mean, I had, I had a lot before that came up, you know? Um, And I told my mom that my priest, the priest is, uh, you know, this priest was gay Uh, and he tried to put the moves on me as well. Um, but I think because I had the thing in, as a 15 year old, I knew at 17 that, okay, this can't happen. I was more, I was more, and my mom was so worried about God and morals when I came out, um, God and morals and AIDS. And so I ended up befriending the priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the priest came out to me and told me he had a lover, like he had a Thai boyfriend, a small Thai boyfriend in Thailand. It's like, oh my gosh. Since 17, this is all so crazy for me to deal with. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, and then he also told me that God forgives more for sexual acts than anything else. So he's like trying to get me into bed at like 17. It's like crazy. He wanted me to play racquetball. And if I lost, I had to sleep over at his house. I was like, what is happening? This is crazy. But, but I also knew that like, I felt bad for this guy. Nothing ever happened. Like nothing ever happened with this priest. And I mean, there was a moment where we went and saw a movie together and he started putting his hand on my leg and I was like, okay, that's not going to happen. But, but I felt bad for him. I, I, I saw this lonely man just so sad and lonely and by himself and gay and not being able to do anything about it, but living in this life, a secret life in the closet. Um, it was sad. So anyway, so after, after that, I told my mom and we came out and, you know, she ended up, she ended up coming around pretty fast. Cause you know, mothers just, you know, they just love, uh, I mean, my mom, mom did, you know, she was, she was scared and she was worried, but luckily I was that kind of person that always had boyfriends. So I always sort of were in long-term relationships. Um, uh, I had some times where I was, you know, crazy in between that, but I was usually very safe and very smart uh, in relationships. Uh, I think because, you know, I was scared into thinking I was going to get AIDS and die. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but then my dad, you know, I think my dad, my dad took about, you know, eight years to come around and I, at this point, I was in college. I was a musical theater major. I'm with gay people all the time. I was like, okay, this is me. Deal with it or don't. Like, I don't care. This mm-hmm. is just what's going to happen. And I think because I was so abrupt about who I am and who I was and this is it, and I'm not, you know, wavering. I think they came around faster. I think my dad took a little more time because I think father to son um, – is a little harder for men because they straight men don't can't see that in their son. Like they can't put themselves in that position. Um, whereas mothers just unconditionally love uh, no matter what. 
Um, but, and that was, that was really it. I mean, it took no time really, uh, mm-hmm. in the scheme of things. Um, but it was, I, I, I'm very fortunate to have a family that surrounds me with love and has accepted me for a really long time and has really let me do what I wanted to do as opposed to what they think I should do or, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've, I've lived my life of shame and, and, and heartache and, and, and high school and, and comments that my mom had said in terms of like, Oh, don't be so fruity or, you know, bullying that I had. I, I had a lot of bullying in my, in my life. But, um, but once I got into the theater crew, uh, being in this theater troupe in Detroit, and then also majoring in musical theater at university of Michigan, there was this just, it was, not not an issue and also I went to a very liberal college I went to University of Michigan so it's a very you know they have they had a what's it called hash bash did you ever hear this no. every weekend and this was this has been going on for god since the 70s um every week there's this one weekend it's called hash bash in Ann Arbor Michigan where there's just pot everywhere everyone just getting stoned all weekend uh and the cops just look away it's just hmm. very strange thing i mean they they can, they give you like a ticket for five dollars if you, they find marijuana on you it wow. just that was it was wild it was a very progressive school to go to so so coming out and being being gay wasn't really a big deal so is there anything else that that you want to know or you're curious about in that long-winded story thank you so much for sharing all of that um yeah I want to know everything um uh well first of all I I was like looking you up a little bit last night I must have had subconsciously in my head that you went to U of M because I'm a Buckeye and so I'm wearing Uh, Ohio State right now (laughs) oh, oh my gosh that's so funny look what's under me I have a Michigan shirt oh on. Gosh, no way! That's that's so crazy. Screenshot that. <laughs> oh my god! That is. Oh my gosh! That's like one of the biggest rivals. It's mm-hmm. the biggest rivals in the in in the Big Ten. Yeah, seriously. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, that is look, so funny. Still... We both have shirts. I have all all the all the shirts I own. I wear Same. that. You yeah. wear that. It's crazy. Um, I love that. Um, yeah. So I mean, so many things are sticking out to me in, in your, with what you shared. And, um, something that really resonated with me was like how you were like testing the waters and like, like, what would you say if I was gay just to like see? And like, I feel mm-hmm. like that's even more bold. Like for me, I'd be like, what do you think of gay people? You know, like I never, cause it even just saying like, if you thought I was, I wasn't prepared mm-hmm. for like the response of what would have come out of whoever I was asking. But so it's, I don't think that I've ever, I don't know that. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I, I think that that's really relatable for folks of like testing. It's like, what would you do if, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think my family was stupid. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't this Mr. Jock guy. Although I had girlfriends, like there were girls around, but that was because I think I was a, just a very sexual person. Like I was having, I was sexually active since I was 12 years old, 13 years old. Um, so I think that was just the thing that, that I had, that I had in me that, so, um, so maybe they thought differently because I had girlfriends, mm. but I don't know. I, um, it's so important that you were that you're sharing about um, just like these adults in your life that are you know crossing boundaries and um, first of all, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. That's yeah, it's weird. It's a uh, it was a weird thing. And, and what what makes me crazy and what makes me just like because I saw the Michael Jackson documentary and mm-hmm. and and everyone's saying to me, how could your parent let their kid go with Michael Jackson like my mom let me go at 15 years old with this choreographer who like 
wore pink socks and drove a white convertible. Like, hello. I mean, it was just so back then it was just naive that someone would actually do that to a child. I mean, I don't think that, that people really thought that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I mean, the fact that she let me sleep over his house with other people, she asked me if other people were going to, other, other kids were going to be there, but to let a 15, 16 year old sleep over at a 25 year old man's house, like what? I would never let my kid do that. Yeah. I would never let them. I mean, are you nuts? Mm-hmm. I just don't get, I don't get how that, maybe it was a simpler time. Mm-hmm. Um, a more trusting time, but I don't, it's wild. Yeah. And I don't know that how much like visibility there was into kind of those dynamics or like the possibility of those things happening. No, like there not, is in, now. not in Detroit, Michigan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think she, my mom never knew of a gay person. I think before me, mm-hmm. I mean, she might've, you know, cross paths and just thought, oh, he's, you know, I remember having a music teacher who was gay, who we all suspected, and we could never play the song. We would have like musical Fridays and we would bring in music to play and we were never allowed to bring the musical, uh, the music to Olivia Newton-John's physical, I think because of the video. Oh, okay. That I'm putting that two and two together. Like Hmm. why that? Now I'm thinking about it going, oh because he probably doesn't want anyone associating with that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, but that was it, small town, Michigan, you know? Yeah. Different time, different place. Definitely. Um, I just, what's something that struck me is that specifically more so when you're talking about your priest was that you approached it with such empathy. Like you we're able, and I'm, I'm like, and I think, I mean, it's years and years later. So I'm wondering if in the moment, if you can remember, like, did you have that empathy of like, I feel so bad for this person. I or did. Like, that's I so, did. That's so great. I, I, it was interesting. I guess I've always been an empathetic person. I look at my daughter and she's the most empathetic person you've ever, I mean, for everybody, she just feels everything for people, which is such a, a great quality I see in her. But I do, I do remember calling him because I was so struggling with this fact that my mom was saying, oh, you're going to go to hell mm-hmm. and you're, you're going to get AIDS and go to hell. Lovely mm-hmm. comment. Right. Um, that I, I called my priest. I ca- cold called him mm-hmm. and said, hey, I'm a young teenager and I think I might be gay. Um, and this is at 17 years old. This is before I even went to college. This is before I even had a, a, a sexual relationship that wasn't put upon me. So I was already thinking like, okay, let me just see what he says. Um, and I just wanted to test the waters again with him to see, to see if it is morally wrong. And then he said, well, let's, you know, and then he said, let's meet up. And then I hung up the phone. I was like, no, I can't talk to you. I'm sorry. I hung up the phone. I got too scared. Mm -hmm. And then towards I was, when I was graduating um, high school, there was like, we had, I used to be the cantor for the, for the, for, I used to sing every mass. Uh, And then also we just struck up a conversation, him and I, and he said, you know, let's, let's make some steaks. And so I went over his house. My mom was so excited. I was hanging out with a priest. Totally. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> um, and, you know, and I came out to him and I said, look, I I'm, I'm, think I'm gay. And he came out to me and I was like, what? Crazy. And then I, then my wheel started turning and I, you know, him re- reaching out to this boy in Thailand that he has a relationship with and, then he's telling me he's just, it's just seems so lonely to mm-hmm. me that he's living by himself. He doesn't have anyone else. It just, it struck me as what a lonely place to live in. Yeah. And the crazy thing is I told my mom that he came out to me like three or four times. She did not hear it mm. until I was, till it was really later, like till I was in my late twenties that she's like, he what? I was like, yeah, I told you this three or four times. Yeah. Just denied it. Yeah. Just denied it. 
But especially if, I mean, you mentioned that your parents were religious. It's like that, that type of thought, I don't think would ever cross anyone's mind. It's like, well, that's impossible that this right, of course. is gay. And so it's oh, like, no, that just like in happen. one ear out the other, like no way. Um, yeah. He ended up getting transferred out of, cause there was another kid who complained, I guess, I guess oh. he put the moves on someone else and then they transferred him to another, you know, parish, which is just awful. You know, who knows what he did to other kids. Yeah. Oh, that's something. Oh, oh, the Catholic, <laughs> oh, the Catholic church. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you know, it's weird because it's really, it's upsetting to me because I, from that moment on, I was like, religion, no, mm -hmm. no more religion, no more religion. And I really had a hard time. I'm, I'm almost four years sober. So, um, it was really hard for me in the beginning with sobriety, sobriety that Alcoholics Anonymous is really based on, um, God and higher power and faith. And it really took me a while to really, you know, you know, turn over a new leaf on faith and God and becoming spiritual and having faith in something. But I, I really, I have gone on a major journey with, with all that religion stuff. But yeah. I mean, that's not what really you asked. So. Well, no, that's okay. No, that's, I mean, I think that's important to talk about because religion it can be such an oppressor, especially to the LGBTQ community, that I think that that's relatable to for so many people. Like I grew up Jewish and really loved being Jewish, but never saw myself or never saw other queer people like in my Jewish communities. And so mm -hmm. I also was like, I don't, I don't want to be part of this. Like, I don't feel right. like I'm welcome and right. I, that's that, just so sad that, you know, I didn't feel welcome. Like mm -hmm. I was going to be burned in, at, at the stake, you know, as soon as I died for being who I was. Well, right. And it's then you go a to a trusted thing. adult who then, you know, coming out to you is one thing, but then putting on, putting the moves on you is a whole nother ball game. Right. Uh, for right. sports metaphor. Uh, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that's so, so congratulations on almost four years sober. Thank you. It's that's amazing. been great. It's really been one of the best things I've ever done. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's great. It's really, I do. I'm very, very grateful that I have been gone. I've gone through the steps and stuff. And I do feel that having gone through that, it's prepared me for this pandemic because I've gone through all of the emotions of my character defects and, 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 and sitting in one place and having to deal with all these emotions that are coming up and all this stuff that's sort of kicking up that, you don't really deal with when you're moving and going and, mm -hmm. and your brain is going. So it's, it's really been, it's been a fortunate thing for me. So mm -hmm. it's good. Yeah. That's really, really great. And so, so you've, so are you still not really like a religious person, but more like spiritual and looking within or how does that work? I'm not, I don't go to, I don't go to church. I mean, I'm not opposed to it and I don't think, I think it's great for, some people who you know get something out of it but i do i do have a a, a a much stronger faith in something out there god or uh higher power they call it in in aa um or you know just being able to look to something to pray for something to ask for guidance to um say i'm having a really hard time with this you know help me through this time I really feel like that's gotten me through uh, some big obstacles in my life in the last couple of years. Um, and it's continuing to, uh, I think it's great to, you know, start the day with a, you know, thank you. And uh, you know, what is it? Start the day with a, uh, help, help me and, and end the day with a thank you. Hmm. Um, so I think that's always a nice thing to do, sort of just have a, have a, a gut reaction or have something to hold on to in life. Yeah, definitely. And someone that I, uh, my friend Dylan, who I, I interviewed a few interviews ago, had a similar, like, 
being like, I've really just had to sit with myself. And I feel like I've done a lot of work too, of like figuring out my trans identity and like really having to like sit in the discomfort. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think too, like that also has been helpful for this, this time of like really like getting comfortable and sitting in that. Um, So it's a, it's a good point. Yeah. I, I mean, I, there's other people too that have gone the opposite where they're medicating and they're, it's, mm-hmm. it's gotten worse and they, they're sitting with their spouse and the, they say that in China, when they, when they stopped the pandemic and they stopped everything, that there were more divorce cases than there were baby cases. Oh, wow. <laughs> people, less people pregnant and more people divorced, which I thought it was going to be a big baby boom through this, but it mm-hmm. seems like people are actually having to spend time with their spouse and not really enjoying the time they have with them. Yeah. So, okay. So in the, in the beginning, uh, we were chatting and you said you feel more connected to your husband than ever before. Yeah. And I'm yeah, curious like what that looks like in your relationship of just like, and how are you fostering that connection, especially in this time? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. The connection comes, I think just with us being, you know, stuck together. This is <laughs> the first time in a really long time. You know, I don't, I don't think that, since we've been together, no, no, that's not true. I think there were times in Los Angeles when he was doing How I Met Your Mother where we didn't travel and go away for work and stuff like that. But it's been a really long time where we just sit with each other and just foster this relationship. I think that so much of our relationship is either him leaving to go on uh, on location for a movie or a TV show or whether it's me going to, you know, do a food festival in a different, in a different state. There's something that happens when you leave your spouse or couple where um, you get in a groove and then you leave. And then that other person has to sort of make their own world with the kids and make it work. Mm -hmm. So when that other person comes back into the, mix there's a whole new energy and a whole new way of parenting that they want to do it and it mixes it's like a snowblow mixing it all up mm-hmm. I feel because we're together we're able to be on the same plane and on the same ride as opposed to that snow globe getting shook it up a lot mm-hmm. uh there's way more consistency but a lot less consistency I mean there's more consistency in our relationship and then the way we parent and I think because that's I mean, granted, that's really the only thing we really fight about is, is parenting. Um, when we were to, when we were, when we didn't have kids there, I mean, I, you know, you count on, you know, the hand, how many fights we had. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, most of those were alcohol induced. <laughs> so, um, but, but I think that with the kids, it brings up a whole other, whole other way of, dealing with each other because your two other little energy beings are with you. So, um, so I think it's that, I think it's just being able to sort of see eye to eye and realize that this person's got this fight or this person's got, uh, that to deal with. And, and we're able to sort of, you know, wake up together and go to bed together and sort of share that throughout the, throughout the week. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I'm, yeah, definitely. And, you know, and we're all, all like living through this unprecedented time where it's like trying to figure out, I like the metaphor of the snow globe, but it's like, now you're in yeah. it together and like, you're shaking it up, but with each other, um, it's like a cool visual. Um, so you're mentioning, you're mentioning your kiddos, Gideon and Harper. I have a, ni- mm-hmm. a niece named Harper. So that name is very oh, nice. to me. Um, very cool. yeah. So I'm wondering, um, like what, if any conversations you've had to have with your kiddos about like our family looks different than other families. And like you have two dads and other families don't have that, or some do, some have two moms or any, any, you know, amazing combination. Have you had to have conversations like that with your kiddos? Yeah. Early on when they were in kindergarten, there was this big thing that came up. Um, 
where this one kind of bratty girl, if I do say so myself, Mm -hmm. was saying that, you know, Harper, you have a mom. And Harper Harper said, I don't have a mom. I have two dads. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we had never posed the question that they ever had a mom. I mean, we, we've had, they were born in vitro fertilization with uh, an egg donor and a surrogate. And we've always called her the surrogate or, you know, the egg donor and the surrogate. Mm -hmm. And she, it was sort of a business transaction. It wasn't sort of, it was a business transaction. So, so it was, um, we never considered her a surrogate mother. We just said she was a surrogate uh, and that she helped out. We, We wanted to have kids and she helped out and she helped us out. And she was basically like the oven to Mm -hmm. us. She helped us cook you guys. Um, which is such a weird thing to say about a woman. I think I hope that's not degrading to anybody. Uh, but that's sort of how we sort of came about and, and, and talked to them about it. So this girl, it was, this girl was saying, well, everybody has a mother and it got in a big discussion and they got in a fight. And so we had to talk to each family about, you know, there are different families and different ways people look and, and it really hasn't been necessarily an issue for them because it's all they know. I mean, they, they've always had two dads. It's not mm-hmm. an issue. And they know that I'm the more motherly one. I'm the more uh, maternal one. I'm the one that's going to give them a hug uh, and say it's okay. And Neil's probably going to be more of the disciplinarian just because that's the way it's always been. I've always stayed home. I've been the primary caregiver. And, um, and that's how they sort of see our family. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting when this was in Vancouver, when Neil was doing the first, uh, episode or first season of series of unfortunate events, this was, I think they were four years old. Um, you know, five years ago, we, we got invited to a pride parade and they, didn't know what a pride parade was Hmm. and they there it was interesting to them that why do gay people have to have a parade why what is a gay parade what is you know what we're saying it's just a happy parade you know and we got to take them to a pride their first pride parade and it was interesting the fact that we had to explain to them what gay pride was Mm because it doesn't it's not a it wasn't an issue it wasn't like it's all they'd grown up with that i mean it's an interesting thing, you know, having two dads in your life and also two dads in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just used to, you know, they're used to drag queens. Come, you know, when we were doing the Wigstock movie, mm-hmm. they're used to Lady Bunny coming over for dinner. I mean, <laughs> it's just a crazy, <laughs> crazy thing. Yeah. Oh, Bunny's coming over for dinner again. <laughs> Watch your mouth, you know. Yeah. She has the filthiest mouth. I mean, they loved it because they got to hear all the swear words that she would say. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, they love a drag queen. They lo- mm-hmm. You know, they love the gay culture. They loved going to Pride Parade. They loved going to Wigstock. Although we had to shield them from a lot of, you know, Bianca Del Rio's act and, you know, uh, Charlene Incarnate. Did she, they couldn't see that. So, uh, mm-hmm. but, but they got to see a lot of the other fun stuff that was, you know, the costumes and the wigs and the glitter and they got to shoot, you know, sh- guns with, with, uh, with shirts in them, the shirt cannons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun family to be into. You know, I think it's, uh, they've seen a lot and I think they've grown up a lot faster, mm-hmm. but, uh, they're super cool and super savvy. Um, but I haven't had to say, I mean, they're, they're interested. I mean, they are interested about, you know, we had to talk a bit about AIDS. That was a big thing. Uh, and they couldn't believe that because we, Neil and I were together um, for, we'd been together for 15 years, over 15 years. And then we had them um, and then we had to wait to get married. So mm-hmm. they couldn't believe that, you know, you, had, you couldn't, it was against the law to get married. What? Mm-hmm. They just couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, I mean, now it's not an issue, but you know, but before we, it's before they were born, we couldn't, it was against the law, which is wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it, I think it was kind of nice because they got to come to the wedding when they were three years old. They got to be a part of it. That's really which cool. Which was really, really special. Yeah. Um, so, 
because you you and Neil are are in in the biz, as you say, um, <laughs> um, have there like can you think of an example or like one lesson that you've learned like in using your platform like for the LGBTQ community? Be careful what you say. Mm-hmm. Really word yourself right, and I I this probably. I'm kind of the worst at that because I kind of have a diarrhea mouth. I'm very <laughs> emotional with, you know, what I say and how I say it. And then like, oh God, did I say something bad um, or offend someone? Um, but I think that there's a lot of people that have fought really, really hard to um, get to where they are or or to be at the place they're in. Um, uh, so you never want to offend people. And I do feel like, the LGBTQ community, they get offended faster than, than a lot of other people. And they're the first ones to put their dukes up with anything you say. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we should all be a team and be, you know, uh, sharing together. But I do feel like they're the first ones to put their claws up. Um, like I know once Neil said, uh, he was talking about a normal life. Uh, or a normalcy in our family. And he didn't really necessarily mean it like the you know, nuclear family, but I know that he got really stung for that. Mm. But like, what is normal? And I get right. it. And I get what where people were going and he probably should have said it, but it's just really interesting. Like you've got to be really calculating, calculated because you don't know, you know, if you say something out in the press, people can chop that up and mm-hmm. say, you know, they could, he just said that. And then you don't see, you read the rest of the article and like, Oh, well, he said, you know, it's a different whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, as a, as a top of an article, as a headline, but, um, but yeah, I, I think that's it. Um, anything else we learned? Is that the question? That was the question. Yeah. Um, or like some, or maybe something you're proud of, like in using your platform. I mean, I think uh, the other thing was say charity. I think we're, mm-hmm. we're involved with a lot of charities and I think that it's great to bring awareness to people. Like I really feel I've always been a charitable person. I've always uh, been a member of New York cares and always worked at food banks and, and things like that. And I think it's really important to show people that you've got to give back. You know, I've, uh, we've been taking the kids to, you know, uh, food bank and har- our harvest and, and, we've delivered, we delivered meals for God's love. We deliver. And it's really important to show kids that you need to help others in need. I mean, service is the biggest, biggest thing you need to do. I mean, it's, it's so important for on so many levels. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that too. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that and for giving back (laughs) to the community. My Um, pleasure. I want to, I want to quickly just go back to what you were just talking about, um, about like the LGBTQ community kind of being the first ones to put their dukes up and like who are quick to, quick to, um, snap at people. Um, Mm -hmm. because you are, it's so interesting. Like there always seems to be like waves of different themes that pop up in the last three up two or three episodes that I've recorded that that particular thing has popped up. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it might be because it's who I was, who I've been interviewing because the people that I want to say it, cause I don't know when the release, the episodes are getting released. I'll tell you after. Um, but like people with bigger platforms, I guess like just do have to like watch what they're saying in a different way. And, and what I, I just, it, it really bums me out that, I mean, it's like, I kind of get it. Like on the one hand, the LGBTQ community, specifically like the trans communities and trans women of color. And, you know, it's like, we're already fighting for basic dignity. And it's like, can't we just can. So then it feels hard when, especially someone as part of the LGBTQ community says something that's hurtful. And at the same time, the only way that like folks are going to want to learn and do better is if they're not getting snapped at all the time. And it's like, if we take, it's so complicated, David, because it's like, is it, is it our job to educate everybody? No, but like, you know, it's, so it's just, it's tricky. I think that, I think when you've been so repressed for so long, mm-hmm. I think there's that we grow up in this society where we are 
stifled so much. And I don't, I don't blame people for speaking out and I don't blame people for, for saying what they feel is right or, or saying what they feel is strong. But I do feel there's this sense of they have to say something because they've been kept bottled up for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, I think it's always nice to take a 10 breath, you know, take you know, count yeah. to 10 before you say it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people who just, you know, spitball what they, I mean, grant our, our democracy are, you know, it's, it's unbelievable where, you know, it, it, I think everybody just needs to take a breath before they write something or say something or, or, or tweet something or, uh, or yell at someone about, you know, cause I mean, we're all just, trying our well not all of us <laughs> a lot of us most are just us. trying <laughs> yeah. most of us are trying our best you know um yeah and people make mistakes but you know i don't know what it is with the gay community sometimes it's it's that urgency to be right or to mm-hmm. feel like they have to get on the soapbox or i don't know. yeah well i like that idea of like taking 10 before saying something and I hope that I and something else I feel like is hopefully can come out of this like physical distancing is like having more patience for each other and more compassion so I really hope that that's something that carries over especially let me ask you what do you think is going to happen with this whole pandemic what do you think is going to what what do you a what do you think is going to come out of it what do you think we're going to get what's why what's the bigger reason you think and then b what do you think is going to be different Oh man. Well, during this pandemic, we are seeing all the cracks in our system and how like things aren't sustainable and like really the vulnerable populations are vulnerable and here's why. And so I'm really hoping that we can get our shit together as a nation to fix what's broken. Um, And God, I just, again, I feel like the, the glass half empty, whatever, uh, part of me is like, no one's going to do it. Cause I feel like the last four years have just been series of disappointments. And so right. I want, I don't want to get my hopes up, but I really am hoping at least, at least a little bit that, you know, again, like we can leave this with more compassion and more understanding of like what needs to get fixed, the priorities in life, like what's important really. And I don't know. What, I hope I, so. Yeah. I think it's going to teach everyone to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, I hope so. I hope you know it sort of resets everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, for the longest time, like, like especially just every time the people in the White House did something stupid, I would pray for a reset. I'm like, can we just like this is like a nightmare I that know. I like. It just needs to get reset. And like, so you saying that just reminded me of like, I really hope this is like, I hope we don't take it. I hope we take advantage of this, everything and really truly reset. I really have a hard time believing that it won't change for the better for us. I think when you screw with people's food, like (laughs) I think there needs to be a change. I I think that there's going to have to be, I think it comes down to just, real simple adders like food security and you know not being able to make money i mean that's just uh, something's got to change i mm-hmm. think but who knows we i never thought that, that we were going to be in this place ever so yeah. you never know yeah well i hope i hope it goes the way that you're thinking about it because i feel like i'm in that <laughs> Uh, we can hope for the best and we can put out good energy as much as we can. That's all we can do right now. Yeah. Um, so I would be remiss if I didn't bring up how I met your mother because it is just like one of my all time favorite shows. I watch it on repeat and love Scooter. What a good character. (laughs) So Um, creepy. Such a creep. Such a creep. Um, but so sweet. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to bring it up. You're great. Oh, great. I love it. Yeah. Great, no question. Great. Just, it's great. It was really fun. <laughs> I was so fortunate that, that, you know, that 
all of the spouses of all of the actors in the show were able to be in it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that Ali, you know, Ali Hannigan, Alex's Denisoff and, um, you know, Kobe Smulders, Taryn Killam's husband as well. You know, they gave us all arcs, which was so sweet. I mean, that's all Pam Friedman who directed every single episode. She's a phenomenal woman. Um, but it was really fun. It really felt like a really cool family. Honestly, it was a really cool moment in time. That's amazing. So. And I, I, I relate to Ted Mosby because I just feel, well, first of all, he's from Ohio. He actually, and Josh Radner <laughs> grew up in the same small town I did in, in Columbus in Bexley. Oh, wow. 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 So I met him once and it was before I had watched the show. So I was like very cool because I didn't know him. And then after I was like, ah, it's him. But I just, I love his like faith in love. It, like that's yeah. something that I really just connect with and love. Yeah. Love. Um, it was, it's such a good written show. I mean, the show is so well written. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it uh, I, you know, I'm glad it gets the, it's, I feel like it's gotten the credit it's due after all these years. I think mm-hmm. once people start watching it, they get hooked and they're like, wow, that show's great. Mm-hmm. It's a really well-crafted show. Mm-hmm. So. Love it. Um, okay. So I'm going to move us into, I don't want to, but I'm going to move us into our last oh. session. Oh, um, okay. Um, which is like a, a very fun rapid fire question and answer. Um, oh, fun. Okay. And uh, there's really only one right answer and you'll, you'll figure it out when it happens. Um, okay. But it's really all just for fun. So just as quickly as you can, pencil or pen? Pencil. Acting or singing? Who acting? Dogs or cats? Dogs. Beach or mountains? Beach. Meat or veggies? Veggies. Bagels or donuts? Bagels. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> uh, train or plane? Plane. Sweet or salty? Sweets. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Night or day? Day. This is the most appropriate question for you out of everyone I've ever interviewed. Favorite kitchen item? My chef's knife. Ooh, nice. Um, David, thank I, you I so much. I think it's the first one, I, the most I the one I use all the time, I guess. The one I can't live without. I mean, what? I have a ton of different fun things to play with. but What's another just most. like fun one that you have? Oh, OXO makes this amazing grater that you can grate a carrot and makes the most amazing julienne carrot slices. You don't have to cut, 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 cut. It's, it's a grater. That it's, it's unbelievable. I love it. Wow. So. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, David, thank you so much for joining me and for sharing so much of your My story and your truth. Pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. I'm so glad. And uh, go Bucks. <laughs> go Blue. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for coming out. You bet. Thank you for coming out. Hey, it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You For Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.